everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And uh, we're a quick turnaround time from the last OFT Podcast, if that two and a half hours didn't do you in. Uh, we, have a, we have a whole recruiting show lined up. So with me tonight, uh, uh, one of my normal normal uh, brothers at arms, Brennan McAlinden, and we brought a special guest on, Carter Carls, uh, super friend of the pod. Fellas, what's up? Um, not too bad. I had a parent-teacher conference today, and uh, the teacher's a real piece of shit. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was it a music it, teacher? Because I've been dealing with some music teacher bullshit lately. <laughs> no, no, no. It was just it was just the daughter's general teacher, and this guy. Uh, he's a he's a real cocky son of a bitch. Um, it's me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. He uh, he needs to he needs to straighten out a little bit. Sorry, y'all tell me I shouldn't have kids. Is that your take, Carter? Are you a no kid kind of a guy? I'm not, but parent teacher conference. I'm not a parent teacher te- parent teacher conference guy. I can't even say it. I'm not. Yeah, that's on me. <laughs> so how you doing, Carter? How's things going for you? Things are going great. Um, I. Back in uh, Dallas, Texas, with my family, working from there. Uh, you know, a lot of the recruiting stuff you can just do it over the phone. So that's what I've been doing, and uh, getting all this extra time with family, and and uh, I guess to exercise and just kind of live a healthier life. I've tried to be more like optimistic and and find the positives with all this downtime. So also watching a lot of TV. So certainly mm-hmm. being super lazy and i'm i'm all in for your show uh, suggestions if you have any oh man we got plenty but are are you uh are you on team beachbody right now are you are you uh, a follower of uh mr sean t uh i was and (laughs) i couldn't take it anymore it was an agony i mean no i i feel your pain man i'm right there autumn's my satan uh, I started doing the, uh, the 80 day one with my wife. She made it through like 60 days and had amazing results and then decided to come back and start it up with me to get me going. And then like, after like day four, we were fucking done <laughs> and look back. It's just torture. And these people do it without resting at all. I'm like, you guys need to stop showing off. This is so obnoxious. Like I get mad at them during the workout. I'm like yelling at the TV, like stop, like quit, quit being so mean to me. This is not fun. I, w- uh, I wonder how Bayless would feel about all this. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we could walk on to the team. That's just my thought. I mean, if I walked on at 42, I would at least be a news story. You'd have to report on that. You'd probably get a. You'd probably get a movie made out of you, like uh, the the Marky Mark movie. Oh, the uh, Invincible? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call this movie. Uh, Dumbass takes a hit and scene. (laughs) You could be a kicker. You know what? Fuck that. I could long snap. I could do it. Yeah. And I'm decent size for it. I mean, I'm I'm 6'1". I might be pushing about 260 right now. I could could handle uh, handle long snapping. I could probably pull me some uh, of that uh, rough in the lawn snapper calls that uh, only seem to happen during Notre Dame games. 
you know, I have a yeah, quick, I've seen two of them. I have a quick side story. Um, in like seventh grade, my dad was convinced that I could become a college long snapper. Smart man. And I don't know Smart why he's convinced because it's not like we just had particularly great genetics. I guess you don't need particularly great genetics to be good at that position. But back then, I mean, now I'm like six one, you know, like one eighty five, you know, decent size. But back then, I was like five foot. 60 pounds and there was just no way I could like it would have been <laughs> too silly for me to be in there so I think I got good like we, we got these like tapes of this like training thing and I worked at it for a long time and then when oh, I showed yeah. up to school they're like nah we like hit receiver <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what uh, year was this this was like middle school so it was like way before I was a late 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 bloomer so Way before yeah, I, was, I, I graduated high school, like maybe five eleven and like one hundred and fifty five hundred and sixty pounds. So I like my my I my freshman year in college, it was way more uh, of a gain than than most people. It wasn't a bad gain either. It was just like, oh hey, uh, puberty finally came a couple years later. Now yeah. I am bigger. Uh, although two sixty right now, <laughs> it's a far uh, far cry than what I was when I graduated. <laughs> Well, it's very fun to be taller than all the kids that were taller than you in middle school because, you know, that that lasts forever and you can give them a lot of crap for it after they gave you crap for it in seventh grade. For So I love it. I, I'd rather be a late bloomer than a early bloomer. I guess they call it early bloomers. I've never heard that, but yeah. yeah I haven't heard that either. <laughs> just, so you, just so you're aware, though, of the five best or top-rated long snappers in the nation last year, three of them were under six foot, 5'10", 5'10", and 5'11". So you don't have to be oh, big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my Your dad's a smart man because that is my exact plan with my boys. Like I, I don't even care if they would show like Tyler Buckner-level capabilities at quarterback. Son, you're going to be practicing long snapping. We're not putting any of this shit at risk. Uh, get your college paid for. <laughs> this happened. I, I talked to him a long time ago, so I might not have the details right. But Alex Peitch, who's going to start for Notre Dame next year. Yeah, right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he didn't start long snapping until like his freshman year. He was just kind of like a tight end. And he didn't really have a position. He wasn't super athletic. He wasn't really big or anything. So they, was, they were just like, hey, be a long snapper. And then Jay Bramlett, the punter for Notre Dame, he wasn't a punter until like freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school, because he was just screwing around at practice, like punting balls 35 yards. And his coach was like, uh, I think you need a punt for us. He's and the, so then he, he was a quarterback too, right? Yeah, he was a quarterback. Like he was just really good athlete. He was a baseball star too. And then they're just like, wait, um, you know how you're screwing around in practice the other day? You're actually our best punter. You need to start doing that. <laughs> and he just became a punter and now he's amazing at it. High school special teams is always the funnest, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like trying to find your kid, like even like you go to the, these elite schools, like say, you know, some of the schools down in Dade County in Florida and so like that look at some of the, some of their their specialists uh, or just not not their particular i'm just saying like pretty much all over the country you're going to start finding so you know they've got two three big time prospects on a team and then go look at their kicker away <laughs> it's some lineman that's just trotting out with a square toe 
uh, trying to pop that thing. <laughs> it's it's always amazing how some how these guys pop out uh, all over the country. Maybe that's what you concentrate the show on. Let's let's talk about special teams recruiting. Let's, let's real, talk about let's, the Patrick. Manley let's really get to our audience. Yeah, let's talk about the Patrick Manley Award awarded to the uh, the inaugural award, who was awarded to John Shannon. Um, yeah, that's right. So, uh, hey, look, Scott Daly. Scott Daly took a swing, and what? What did he break his hand uh, against Purdue? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Notre Dame long snappers. Uh, there's there's a solid history now. They're becoming Especially legendary. The, uh, yeah, it's a it's a tradition. It's long snapper you, baby. <laughs> I love it. I didn't I didn't see that listed anywhere this off season. We made we should have made sure we were uh, carrying that torch, and we didn't. It's a <laughs> failure. All right. So, look, this is uh, let, let's talk about this first. So, Notre Dame recruiting. Uh, there was a lot of focus. Like, all right, let's start lining up these official visits, and and they got, you know, they got a pretty good uh, visitor list ready to go in June. Don't think Will Shipley's coming for that official visit now, but uh, but now uh, with the uh, the NCAA, so they're going to extend the recruiting dead period till June 30th. Uh, all that's off the table. Although, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there like a, they're going to look at it again on May 29th to see if that's what they're really going to do? Now I didn't see that part. You might you might be right there. Um, certainly in this climate, they they could change their mind. Um, I I also wonder if it's possible that they just say, hey, since we wiped out since we wiped out May, April, June, uh, we'll give you July and August for visits, kind of thing. I have no idea if they can do that. Um, I would think you know during times like these that there are a lot of amendments being made. So um, that would be kind of a common sense way or just, Hey, we're not going to have the December signing period. Everyone do it in February. And then that'll give you time to do more visits and everything. I have no idea. So I think this is going to be constantly evaluated to see if, if, you know, if they can help some of these colleges and kids out. So Carter, for people who might not know, what constitutes a dead period and what can Notre Dame do during this time and what can't they do during this time? Well, the, the NCAA has granted them access to give them uh, – to permit them unlimited phone calls with 2021 recruits, so recruits that will sign this cycle. Um, and so – you know, dead period, a lot of people say, oh, you can't do anything. No, you can call them. You can text them. They can call and text you. You can FaceTime. Does Brian Kelly have that memo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can do it if he wants to. Uh, but uh, with, with visits, you know, that's what can't happen. You know, uh, during certain periods, you can, um, like, do official visits or uh, unofficial visits or the coaches can come to your house or their high school, but not during the dead period. All they can do is just text and, and call you. So <clears throat> I think a lot of people are pretty, I don't know, maybe they're not, maybe, but it's the vibe that I'm getting is that there are a lot of Notre Dame fans that are pretty down on this recruiting class so far uh, because it's, you know, they're, there have been some losses, uh, most notably 
uh, was the recent commitment of Will Shipley to Clemson. But they're still ranked within the top 10. And in fact, it is only, it's only Clemson that has as few as recruits as Notre Dame does ranked in the top eight. Um, I mean, what's your general feel about how Notre Dame's doing at this moment? Well, I think when, you know, it kind of depends on what your expectations were. I think it was easy in October, November, when you have the number one recruiting class, you just got Buckner and Dion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, Blake Fisher. It was like everyone at every position was, was popping uh, on the offensive side of the football. Um, and then, you know, I, th- I think it was easy to get caught up in that to think, oh, well, surely this will be a top three, top five recruiting class. Well, as it, as it, as it is, this is only going to be a class where they take about 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, signees. And when you have that smaller class, it's automatically not going to be a top five class. Uh, so no one should expect that going forward, regardless if they had gotten Will Shipley, in my opinion. Um, but uh, you know, I, so I think it's been disappointing the last few months. You know, a lot of people will um, talk about some of these recent commitments, and, and they were they were good, just not great. You know, there's no big five star guy uh, sitting and waiting. And um, I think you know the the big thing though is there's still a lot more time, and you know this COVID nineteen thing. It's kind of like a blessing and a curse. You know, in a way, it has prolonged a some of these guys decisions. So for every Will Shipley, there is a guy that wants to get his decision done immediately. There's a Dante Thornton who yeah. he's content with waiting till January to make a decision. Um, yeah, he's a so, guy that's already had said already that he's wait till like what January 9th or something like that for yep. commits, right? Yeah. yeah. The all American bull is when he's going to commit. And I think that is good for Notre Dame with, with kids that, you know, maybe they haven't gotten on their radar too much yet. They can work them like crazy. Uh, Philip Riley, this is someone who Notre Dame offered, I believe March 25th and he hadn't visited Notre Dame yet. They worked him, worked him, worked him, worked him. And then they eventually landed his commitment, the four-star running back or cornerback. And so, I, I think that in some ways it hurts you, some ways it's good, and you know a lot of unknown out there. So yes, it these past few months can't sugarcoat that it's it's been bad in a lot of ways. But there's still a lot of time. What happens if they get Donovan Edwards, Dante Thornton, and Jane Thomas on the offensive side of the football? I think everyone would forget Will Shipley and Deion Colsey if if that was the case. Oh, um, I think you underestimate Notre Dame fans, sir. <laughs> uh, well, I'm telling you, Don, Donovan Edwards is just as good as Will Shipley. and I don't Don, doubt that one bit. but He I, might even be well, better. Yeah, and he very I, well could be. And I, and I am in that camp of, of, of could be better. Uh, I, and look, I, I have no idea. All I'm saying is that there's one extra star next to Shipley's name. So if you think Notre Dame fans are going <laughs> to... <Right. laughs> They, they, they are not. They are not going to. Uh, they are very much going to basic this thing out uh, and, and say they can't get the elite five-star talent. But then you look at a guy like Donovan Edwards, who is. I mean, if he's not better than Will Shipley, uh, by most accounts, he's right there. So it's yeah. not a massive change in. Uh, 
it's the same type of back. It's the same, it's the same I, guy. I will tell you this. Um, and, uh, Tyler James will attest to this too. Never, ever, ever, ever put any stock into the two, four, seven sports composite because it's fairyland. It's made up. I don't even know how they come up with it. There will be a guy who's a four star on ESPN two four seven and Rivals, and he's a five star on two four seven. That's the case with Will Shipley. He's forty fifth overall on two four seven. Uh, Donovan Edwards is twenty third overall yeah. on two four seven, and twenty third that 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 means he'll get a five star. They just don't give all, all the five stars until the end of the cycle. So as it stands, Edwards will be a five star, and so and it's all about recency bias with recruiting. So. If you know, it's always about the new guys. So when Ed, right. if Edwards were to commit to Notre Dame in November, it would set the world on fire, and they would have him and Tyree and Lance Taylor would be, you yeah, know, let's go. Yeah, I mean, he would be like, <laughs> wow, you know, what I mean, like that would be a really, really good job, especially with kind of the all the factors that he's had to deal with this cycle. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, you brought up Philip Riley. Look, a, f- a four-star cornerback committing that should be setting Notre Dame message boards on fire. That's a big. That's a really big fucking deal. Carter and, tweeted and, that and out much, today. It's only the second right, and, one in a five-year cycle, right? And much like yep. the, De- you know, the Deion Colsey commitment during the season, I, I just remember how like quiet it was when with, with Colsey and Styles. But those were huge yeah. commitments. Those were and they kind of went, I won't say they went unnoticed, but they kind of like it. It, it kind of went by because it was during the season. I kind of get the same feeling with Riley because obviously yeah. of the Shipley news, and then here comes you know Philip Riley. But it's a huge deal. Of I mean Notre Dame has not uh, for probably I mean defensive back recruiting has not been great. Yes, there's Kyle Hamilton on on the roster. Uh, our sweet baby Jesus, Kyle Hamilton. But overall, corners over the years that we're talking, it's, it's a three-star uh, marathon. So t- to get someone like him, this should be something that Notre Dame fans should be ecstatic over. And I just didn't get that feel, uh, you know, after you know after we put our all our stories out about uh, about his commitment, it just, just seemed like, well, it's not Will Shipley. <laughs> and and I am extremely high on Philip Riley. I think he. I think there's a good chance that he's the best cornerback Notre Dame has since Julian Love. Like, I think he is that good. I think he's the top 200 kind of player, uh, four-star, no doubt, multi-year starter, who is a lot better than a lot of these other guys. So, uh, And he's a guy that could play as a freshman or sophomore, in my opinion. So I really like him. And, yeah, I mean, it basically it happened the same day as Will Shipley. And you know, with recruiting, there there's there's a reason why that happened. Oh, you know? absolutely. <laughs> they they want to cover, you know, they want to cover themselves, and that's fine. Um, but at the same time, it I guess it kind of took away a little bit from his commitment, um, where it was kind of like every everyone was focusing on Shipley, so not enough people focus on Riley. But man, right. I'll tell you, this guy is going to be very very good, and. For Mike Mickens to get him just out of nowhere, I mean, he he told me, he said a month ago, he was dead set he was going to commit to Virginia Tech. And then Mike Mickens, the new corners coach, Brian Kelly, Clark Lee, Blake Fisher, all these guys just swarmed him like crazy this past month and and really played a big role in, in t- changing his mind. 
Do you think you, you, you just brought up Blake Fisher and, you know, obviously a lot of noise has been about Blake Fisher. Look, not, he is a top, he's a, a top four star high, very high end four star type of player at tackle. But obviously during this, rec- the cycle, he's being more hailed as uh, Notre Dame's one of their top recruiters are, is that getting overblown at all? Or do you, or do you actually, is he actually making a real difference or is it just that he's just, he's out there putting in the work and we see it, but is, is Blake Fisher really making a difference um, for, to helping Notre Dame land some of these guys? To a certain degree. Yes. Um, I, you know, he's not outworking, you know, Aaron Kearney or like someone in the recruiting staff, the guys who are evaluating and sending out these offers and pulling all this legwork. I mean, with Notre Dame, you've got to like the academics has got to be on point. There's a lot of legwork to just offer a guy. So yeah, he's, he's not like those guys, but he is more involved than any player I can remember in recent memory, at least since I've been here and, uh, more than drew pine, who was really involved last cycle. Um, and I do think it does make an impact because just talking to a lot of these guys, they always talk about, um, a lot of times with Notre Dame, it's the one missing element is being on campus or getting that feel of the locker room. And when you have, Uh, you know, in Will Shipley's case, he had like, that was his missing thing. And he had 15 players calling him. He had all these recruits and, uh, parents and all these people calling him didn't work out for him, but for other guys, it works out because after getting to know a lot of these guys, they say, well, shoot, I'm, I mean, this guy's exactly like me and I'm really close friends with these six other guys already. I don't need to go to a game to know that I could get along with them because all these phone calls, all these zooms, these, you know, video games we're playing every night. I feel comfortable with them already having not even seen them yet. So I know even when I see them, it's going to be even better. Um, and like Caleb Johnson, uh, the offensive lineman out of Florida told me the same thing, uh, where like just Jeff Quinn describing the relationship between the uh, freshman now sophomore offensive lineman just like piqued his interest. Cause it sounded like exactly what he's looking for. So when, when you kind of experience that, I know it's virtual is kind of weird, but sometimes that comes a lot, a long way. And with Blake Fisher, you know, he is not just reaching out to these guys. He's watching their film. He's reading their interviews. He reads like every story uh, put out there. And so he knows these guys, better than most people. And so he's really good at connecting with them and making them feel like, you know, this could be a home for him. So I do think he makes a big impact, but yeah, he's, he's no uh, coach or anything like that. So Carter, this, the 2021 season had been circled as, cause Notre Dame, they, they only took two offensive linemen last class. So this 2021 was pegged as the big year. And I know that, um, you know, there was talk of a big three and already one of the big three has committed elsewhere, but so where does Notre Dame stand with someone like, uh, Nolan Rucci, who is pretty high on them as far as a top rated guy. And then, uh, the Rocco Spindler, who's one of the, the top guards in this class, where, where do they stand with those two particular guys that could maybe make a big three, a reality? 
Yeah, because I did see that uh, Caleb Johnson was uh, a lot of crystal balls on 24-7 uh, going his way for Auburn, uh, and that and that just happened today. So it Spindler just looks like, like it could be a Michigan thing, and, and I'd seen the, the connection with LSU and his teammate Garrett Dillinger, and then, you know, obviously Rucci's going to be a tough pull from Penn State. I mean, we're... Yeah, I think um, uh, Nolan Rucci, I just don't see it. I don't see him coming to Notre Dame. I think Penn State and Clemson have recruited him a lot harder and a lot better for a longer amount of time. Um, Just talking with him, his family, um, Penn State and Clemson seem like the two schools. And for Notre Dame to really make a difference, they needed that March 20th weekend. And they're not going to get that. So um, I I think he's going to make his decision. Uh, before his senior season starts um now again things can change um but i just don't see him picking notre dame rocco spindler i see him picking notre dame i you know ever since january february i've i've been all rocco to notre dame i i think it's gonna happen just talking with him and, and people around him uh i just i think michigan and penn state are the other two schools but i think uh it's just it, the confusing part for me and, and others is the timing of it because I remember talking with uh, David Abiara, Jason Anye, and Pat Coogan, three guys that I was sure um, after all the COVID stuff started, these were the next three commits to Notre Dame. Jason, he was silently committed to Notre Dame like mid-March. Uh, David Abiara, he came very, very close and was going to commit that March 20th weekend. Pat Coogan, it was honestly surprising he didn't commit when he was offered. But all three of them said that they didn't want to they didn't want to commit until they visit Notre Dame because they needed that one more visit. Well that never happened. They changed their minds. They said, you know what? We already like Notre Dame enough. We know that's the place. We're picking them. Jason Anye did it without ever visiting Notre Dame. So a lot of these guys timetables even even when they're predictable um, or even when they say something, they can easily change. So a guy like Rocco Spindler, he was dead set. I'm going to take all five visits. I'm going to take all five official visits. He's going to narrow it down next week. And he told me, if we can't do visits in the summer, we're going to take it into the fall. But again, uh, is, is he going to want to wait till – uh, November to make a decision. I just don't know. I mean, I, I think he knows those top three schools and I just feel like Notre Dame is going to be the pull for him. So I'm not saying he's going to commit tomorrow, but man, he, he's certainly a guy to watch here in the next month or so. If visits and keeps getting canceled and, you know, they, they keep with the June 30th thing and they don't allow there to be visits in July or August, I could totally see him changing his mind, pulling the trigger to Notre Dame. Bud Elliott just put out an article uh, last week uh, talking about the, the number of commitments nationwide, and it, it is literally double the number uh, that it was the year before. Um, and, you know, it was kind of warning of a uh, of a wave of decommitments uh, come, you know, come fall and early winter. Is that something that you you kind of foresee to a little bit? Uh, because, I mean, it, it does seem that there had been a rush <clears throat> 
excuse me, across the country uh, for some of these guys, maybe because of the uncertainty, like, all right, I, I've been here. I know this. Things are getting shut down. I'm just going to get this figured out and commit. Uh, but, you know, if things start up to truly open up or, or be fine or whatnot, uh, do you do you see the chance of, of a of a lot of decommitments across the country? It's interesting you asked that because today I asked a pretty high ranking analyst at, at Rivals what he thought. He thought that um, that there won't be and it'll just be about the same in terms of decommitments. But um, he did say that he believes a lot of guys who are committed will be taking visits elsewhere um, in the fall. But to me, if that was the case, I would still think there'd be more decommitments. My personal opinion, I feel like there will be more just because of uh, all the visits. I mean, I just, it's hard for me to imagine um, a, a lot of these guys um, committing early. And then once the window of opportunity is there of, Hey, by the way, you can take four more visits if you want to. It's hard. It's hard not to bite that if you prematurely uh, committed. And I, I talked with it about this a little bit with Brian Polian, the, the recruiting coordinator at, at Notre Dame. He told me that a lot of recruits have been coming to Notre Dame and saying, gee, I mean, I've got all these schools saying that you got to commit now because there's not going to be space later. Um, that a lot of these schools competing with Notre Dame, and, and that could just be pulling and talking, but he said that a lot of guys, a lot of schools are pressuring these kids to commit earlier than they normally would because so many commitments are happening and space is, is filling up. I mean, it but, makes sense that that's it, what's going on. You know does, what I mean? It does make sense numbers wise too. So I, I could see a lot of guys rushing into a decision kind of like Dion Colsey did. And then four months later, when visits are open, they think, man, I, I really rushed into that and I, I want to visit UCLA because that was a, a school I really wanted to visit and I never got to, didn't think I could, but now I can. So yeah, I, I think uh, it could happen. I'll say there will not be more decommitments if there are just no visits. Like if there are no visits at all in the fall, I don't think there's going to be a, a ton more decommitments, but if there are, if you can visit any college football game or most college football games, and I think there will be more decommitments. Yeah, it's a wild. I mean, I, I had sensed that the number was up, but it wasn't until but but put that out there that you you know see it there in black and white. It's like there's something amiss here. I mean, yeah, the tr- you know trends are trends, and we've seen that certainly since the early signing period stuff too. You know about you know which position group you know like quarterbacks now or the early ones and all that. So you, you see that it just, it just didn't seem, <laughs> it just didn't seem right. Like, like, okay, if the trend goes up, that's, that's a massive jump in the trend. So th- you, what Pullian said about school, you know, if schools are pressuring these kids to commit it, that makes sense. And I, I just get the sense that, you know, even, even as, uh, you know, as hardcore recruiters as some of the Notre Dame staff can be, I don't ever get the sense from Notre Dame about pressuring kids, um, you know, to commit, they seem more of a, uh, trying to get these guys through a process, which has meant, you know, a lot, you know, and maybe that works because Notre Dame hasn't had a whole lot of decommitments, you know, over the last, you know, five years or so. I mean, yes, Mm -hmm. there are, 
there are there's going to be one here and there. That's just recruiting. Uh, it's not a it's not anybody's fault. This stuff just happens and it happens everywhere. But Notre Dame doesn't get a lot of decommitments anymore. And you got to wonder if, you know, if that's who's the I mean, last one working against Colsey? them right now. Who was the last one before Deion Colsey? Can you even think of a, a decommitment Greg, before? If you want to count Greg Crippen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If, if not him, Michigan then, wants to count them. <laughs> if not him, then Cade McNamara. Yeah. <laughs> always the always the Michigan tie here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a question. Um, what is Notre Dame doing at linebacker recruiting? <laughs> I, they only have yeah. nine offers out. Five of those nine offers are committed. And the one um, guy that, that was even close to uh, was a Blackwell. It seemed like there was a, and he, he he just committed, right? He was the last one. They have an offer out to Yanni Karloftis, and I mean, he's probably going to go to Purdue with his brother, right? You yep. would think. Um, so what are they doing? They they decided to pass on Shane Simon's brother Cody last year. Is that fair to say that they passed on him? Yep. Yes, it's fair. Yep. And then in 2019, they signed three linebackers, and the year before, obviously, was the big haul. Um. What exactly is their plan? Do I, uh, I mean, Clark Lee is a linebackers coach, so it's sort of his forte, but I mean, Shane Simon, Jack Lamb, um, Bo Bauer, those, those guys are all entering into their junior years. So what, 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 what is, uh, what's the plan here? It's probably the most confusing thing to me because there's no reason for it. I mean, and, and there really is no excuse to not be high on the radar of a very talented linebacker this class. Because think of it. They've had an entire cycle's worth of, of advance on this. I mean, I don't know if they began the 2020 cycle thinking, oh, we're not going to take a linebacker. But, you know, once it got to May, June, uh, they had an idea that they weren't going to take a linebacker last class. So they had – you know, almost a year in advance to work on the 2021 linebackers and they've got no options. They've got none. Like there is not a single linebacker they have offered that will land at Notre Dame. It's just not going to happen. No, I was looking at it today. I was was struggling to come up with anything (laughs) that looked even, I mean, there's some that are even appealing. uh, Yeah. I've been keeping a close, a close eye on this because it's something that has boggled me. And I, I just want to make sure our listeners uh, kind of understand why this is so confusing. Uh, if you look at the scholarship chart for Notre Dame in, in 2021, the, the fifth year eligible guys are Drew White and and Wu. And, and I have a hard time believing if Wu has the season he has this year that he's coming back for a fifth year. I just I have a hard time believing that. At the so, minimum, he's a second rounder. So if that's the case, you have Drew White coming back as a fifth year. Then you look at your seniors, your 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 four year of eligibility to use seniors, and you got four guys. You have Bo Bauer, Jack Lamb, Shane Simon, and Paul Mawala. Remi- remember, after 2021, those guys will all be gone. So you have a grand total of of six guys on the roster right now that are that are gone. So in 2022, the only guys that you have left according to their scholarship chart, are Jack Kaiser, uh, Osita Equinu, Maris Luafal, and J.D. Bertrand. Now, 
that those are up and coming names, right? But there's only four freaking linebackers. Yeah. You need you're gonna need at least double that amount. And going who's into the 20, same at, at least in 2022. And there's such a log jam at the older players who's to say that one of them don't transfer out. Like if I'm a Bo Bauer, do I wanna sit and yeah. wait again? Don't you so, dare put that kind of voodoo on I, my grizzly bear. Don't I, you fucking dare. I'm not I'm I, I'm photoshopping <laughs> him as the, no. as the brawny man. I'm photoshopping I, him as the brawny I, man. He is a fantastic uh yeah. like anybody else's name up that you want. We're we're not gonna put that uh, out into the universe about uh my favorite grizzly bear. I'm just saying that if if there is such a glut of linebackers all in one class that I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm just very curious as to what the staffs uh, and I was wondering if Carter had it's not a very big year with linebackers across the country. Like it's, it's I, not. I, last year wasn't either down, though. Was maybe, maybe saying down year is is a little bit much, but it kind of feels like a down year linebacker wise anyways. But you still have to get your numbers. So I mean it's, especially when you have this far in advance and I think they want to get a rover for sure this class, and they've got some flexibility there. They're looking at safeties that could end up being rovers. They're still got some guys on their radar they could offer. Um, I, I think what they Brian Kelly doing, that said a couple years ago that they were done doing recruiting safeties for linebackers. Now they're recruiting safeties for safeties and linebackers as linebackers. So it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think that you're right. I think that's the, that's kind of what I've heard, too, is that they're looking at a couple of safeties in that way. But it, it seems kind of messed up that you're reverting back to something that you were trying to get away from. I mean, I is that think you, something about what they're doing or maybe more so about what the talent is across the country? I just think never say never. Like Donovan McMillan, you know, was a guy who could play like five different positions rover was one of them so i don't know if it's more if that's really speaks to a philosophical change i think it's more of just oh there's a couple guys like donovan mcnillan that they liked that they were willing to move to rover if his body developed that way um but yeah it's it's weird i mean i think too you know it doesn't get talked about a lot Clark Lee is an incredible coach, but he's just not that great of a recruiter. He just, he doesn't, um, I, I don't believe he works at it as hard as some of these other guys do. I don't think he's bad at it. I think he is really good at talking with players, mentoring players. Um, he's exceptionally sharp and, uh, can really late relate to certain guys. Um, but I just don't know if he is, you know, um, putting in the work and, you know, visiting tons of schools and always on the phone and giving out offers early, you know, a guy like Mike Elston, he does all that exceptionally well. He is, he just offered a guy in the 2023 class today. Um, and so there hasn't been enough of that too. And when you have a whole cycle in advance to do something, you should capitalize from that. That just didn't happen. Well, I'm all yeah, for Notre Dame uh, tapping into that Hawaii connection in order to furthering that Hawaii connection to get linebackers. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know. Sounds like you have a little bit of free time ish. Maybe you could ask the the Tribune if they'd be willing to send you out to to get some additional information on perhaps like uh, 
uh, Tufaga or uh, Hohlele uh, or Hohlele. <laughs> uh, some some top linebackers from uh, uh, Hawaii. Maybe you could you, you could get out. You think there. you could do that for us, Carter? Yeah. Can you go out to Hawaii for us? Can you go out there and take a look at some four star linebackers in Hawaii? I, I do have some information that's going to make you sad. Are you ready? Uh oh. I didn't know how to pronounce his name. Like, is it Hohlele? Yeah, I think so. Um, I talked with him. He said if Notre Dame offered, they'd be a top three school. They're a dream school. Love them. I, I'm oh, no. close friends with Jordan Batello. I'd love to go to Notre Dame. I check with folks at Notre Dame. He doesn't qualify academically. Oh, jeez. So uh, that that he was the uh, I mean, he's a top 200 overall player in the yeah. class. Yep. Very, very good. But he's not coming. You're just uh, you're fueling the fire for the uh, Notre Dame fans. There. I'm just breaking your heart. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. <laughs> Bro, it's okay. Watch some sponge. I, uh, I think Wes and I did a recruiting podcast a couple years ago. Uh, I, I think we just called it uh, "Let's Go Get More Polynesians." Uh, <laughs> 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 we're, we're we are all about a Polynesian pipeline uh, to South Bend. So that is a very and that is a very sad thing to hear. Incredibly sad. Very sad, but it could happen, you know, in the future, uh, future classes for sure. I think um, Titus. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name too. Titus Mikeo Atimalala. Uh, the wide receiver. He's a wide receiver DB at Hawaii. I think he could come to Notre Dame for sure. He's he's leaning that way. Well, that's excellent. They they got they got to keep that pipeline. It's it's too it's too much fun. Uh, <laughs> the great. more lazy you get, yeah, the more lazy you get that stadium, the better. Hey, I ranked Jordan Batello as the number two player in this last recruiting class. I, I think he's going to be legit. And Maris Lufau, I think he's impressing a lot of folks yeah. at Notre Dame. These guys always outperform their expectations. Always. I mean, always. even Manti, even Manti outperformed his expectations. His expectations yeah. were through the roof. Yeah, exactly. So most decorated player in college defensive player in college football history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carried a slow, carried a slow, irrelevant team to a national championship game. So, you know, the, I, obviously when we've touched on it already, but obviously the Will Shipley news was, was tragic for a lot of people uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. But I, I think the spin uh, after the fact from a lot of different people, I was one of them. I think Pete Sampson put out some really good, uh, tweets about, you know, kind of about it. But I mean, if you really look at, at what's been going on nationally and I, I use Clemson as an example, because why not? Clemson is a perfect example. I, I put a story out today about like, look, you, you have this, this team that has almost the exact same average, rec- uh, class ranking as Notre Dame over the, since 2012, they've had, more top 150 recruits uh, in the skill positions, and they've had elite quarterback. I mean, they've had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, there's your difference right there. It's, it's a very long article with some fun graphics, basically boiled down to Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even losing Will Shipley, you got to look and see that there is a Tyler Buckner still staring you right in the face, a guy that can. You know, and not all of this is up in the air, right? We 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 can't we can't predict with any, with 100% certainty about a guy's college football career, 
But for all intents and purposes, you know, Tyler Buckner is that elite transcendent quarterback that Notre Dame has been lacking. That is, that should be enough. I mean, I mean, obviously you need, <laughs> obviously we need some linebackers, but <laughs> in the sense of, you know, is, is Notre Dame recruiting to win a national championship? Well, if they're getting a quarterback like that, if you want to match them up to what the, what Clemson has been doing over the last eight years, that seems right. It seems very on point. To a certain extent, I, I think with Notre Dame, their two biggest things, I mean, Buckner is, is awesome, but they've got to figure out the running back and the cornerback situation. I mean, if, if that's a hole on their team, uh, they're going to have a tough time beating those Clemsons of the world because you need that elite speed uh, and you need, you know, that back end of the defense to be sharp. You know, these Clemson teams, I mean, they also had that defensive line a couple of years ago. That was yeah. one of the best defensive line defensive lines in modern college football history, in my opinion. I mean, it was freaking crazy. Um, and they had a pretty good secondary this past year, too. Um, so you got to be well balanced too. You, you can't have holes on your roster, but yeah, I think in the day, you know, Buckner is going to be a special talent. I can't wait to see what he does this year as new high and that's school. That's the thing too. I mean, we, you, people, how people forget very quickly about Chris Tyree. I mean, it wasn't two cycles ago. It was, Hey, he's yeah. still not even enrolled yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- that's that, you know, so there's still at least three years there, you know, for that. So there is a chance to, I mean, and again, if, if Notre Dame goes out and lands Donovan Edwards, none of it matters, right? You're, you're right up the alley. And in fact, uh, you're probably in as good a shape as you've been since maybe, uh, you know, Greg Bryant, Torian Folston and, and, you know, in that class, uh-huh. um, as far as uh, level of running backs. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a, it's a funny it, Clemson is a very funny school to look at. when you start saying, sure. when you start throwing out, um, uh, like superlatives, right? Like, like of, of, of what we know, like, like what compared them to an Alabama, right? right? Like Alabama's been one or two in recruiting for how many years and Clemson just has not been, but yet there's a, there's Clemson knocking them off. Clemson rising up to basically be, even with LSU beating them in the championship game, Clemson is pretty much the premier college football program right now. Uh, and, and so I, I think in that, I think Notre Dame could take some hope from that. Like there, there is a little bit of a, of a pattern there that they, that they can feed off of. I, I look at three teams that have won championships previously LSU Auburn there's one other that I'm oh Clemson LSU Auburn and Clemson now LSU let's look at them I mean they they had an offense in the stone age it seemed like their coach was lousy they they fired their championship winning coach the guy they replaced him with seemed lousy but through recruiting and through assembling a great coaching staff and by you know, kind of getting lucky with Joe Burrow, I guess it all came together quarterback. and, and, yeah. and it like, it took off for him. I mean, they had like, what, like 18 players drafted. It was like freaking insane. Um, uh, Auburn, you know, uh, they were in contention for two titles in the last 10 years 
And they're not a team that competes for a title every single year, but because they had one or two special players, because the stars aligned, because they kind of do things a certain way, it, it, you know, gave them that opportunity. Clemson, you know, I know they had a championship in the eighties, but for the most part, you know, before 2015, they were kind of losers. Like they, they were, you know, the Clemsoning, uh, that was the thing. Uh, so I look at those three schools for them to do from them to come from where they were to where they were, you know, these last 10 years, um, or an LSU last year, LSU a little bit separate from those two. Um, it shows that any of these big programs can do it. Um, if Notre Dame really, really, really puts in the work on the recruiting trail and their schedule aligns one year and they have a special quarterback, I totally think they can win a national championship. I think the same can be said for Oregon. Uh, I'll, you know, I'm a big homer, Texas A&M, Texas. Um, if USC ever got their act together, I mean, we saw what Pete Carroll did when he did exactly what I said, you know, he resurrected that program and, and made them, you know, incredible. So it can happen. It can totally happen. You know, just think of where Clemson was 10 years ago and where they are now. Even think five of years ago, five years ago. Think of where Georgia was under, um, blanking on his name. Uh, Mark Rick. Mark, Mark Rick. Think of where they were under him. I mean, they were just winning, you know, 10 games every year. And, uh, now, I mean, they're getting a top three class every year and should be winning the sec East just about every year, unless, you know, Florida has a pretty good year. So it can happen. I, I t- I'm totally confident Notre Dame can do it. They just got to freaking put in the work for it. You know, recruiting's everything. People say stars don't matter. And to a certain extent they don't, but recruiting matters and being on top of it matters. Stars are like 80, 20, like it, yeah. it 80% matters a great deal. And then there's, it's just the 20% that doesn't. And yep. look, Look, and these, I mean, as much as grief and shit that we throw, me personally, for certain, throw the recruiting services for how and why they rank people and this and that, and some of it is just bizarre and ridiculous, they're only getting more and more accurate. Like, there's a ton of money in this business, and they're throwing a ton of it at it on scouting and, and, and with all those camps. I think it's going to be kind of comical, you know, without all, without all the camps you know, this summer, it's going to be kind of funny to see how they do things. Uh, I, mean, I think Mike Farrell made a, a comment uh, the other day about, you know, we're going back to VCR tapes. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, it's more accurate now than it has been in the past. And so stars do matter. The NFL draft shows that. And yes, there are always outliers uh, and there always will be. Uh, but for the most part, uh, look at who's getting drafted in the first and second round. Uh, it, those guys are the ones that are in the top five, top 10 recruiting classes year in and year out. And let's face it. Is it really that hard to identify the top 20 guys in the class? I mean, these, these guys are all freaks of nature. So right. it's not a big surprise that a, a lot of five stars are first round picks because like, duh, they're six five monsters <laughs> and they run 4440s. Like, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knew Trevor Lawrence was good in high school. Not a big surprise there. So, 
like it would be dumb for it not to be accurate to a certain extent. So yeah, I, I'm, I totally feel you there and there's going to be those outliers, but I think this class is going to be weird. Um, I remember someone at rivals told Eric Hansen that David Abiara, or maybe it was Steve Wiltfunk said David Abiara would be a four star right now had he had the camps and the exposure. But because of that, he's a three star because they just aren't sure. And so they're going to err on the side of caution. And he is a four star right now. The composite, the composite ranking. <laughs> well, of course he is. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a magical, magical system. I remember Chris Tyree was four star in every uh, service, ESPN, yep. uh, Scout, and two four seven. But his composite somehow was five star for most of the year last year. Tyler Buckner's another one right now that uh, it's it's hard to figure out. I mean, it, and you know, twenty four seven has their their own rankings where they're you know we're gonna we're basing this off of and I mean the. Jude and I got into a huge shouting match and it had a little bit to do with this, but I just, I, I have, I take huge issue with recruiting with, with uh, giving these rankings to players in high school, basing it off of where they think they're going to go in the NFL draft. When two things, number one, I give a fuck about the NFL draft. And number two, I mean, a lot of these guys are like a Rondell Moore, right? Like he's a five college football player. Yeah. Yeah, some of these amazing college football players that are never going to pan out—I won't say never—but a lot of them don't pan out in the league. But they were absolutely dominant in college. I mean, we there's a long list of those names that, that Tim go Tebow by. Comes to mind, right? <laughs> if you want to throw Tim Tebow on there, sure. I mean, he's one of the so best. I, uh, I, I don't know. So he's right. He's rankings as five stars. Well, we, we think that he's a first-round NFL draft kind of a guy. I don't really care. Uh, is he a, a Blitnikoff finalist in his sophomore year? That matters more to me. You know what I mean? Is, is he that type of talent? Um, so, I mean, it, you take it for what it is. Uh, I think the overall, like you look down, like from you know, like a top 100 players in a class, uh, that that's a, you can start picking around there. There's, there's differences here and there. They're not huge differences between, uh, at least I don't think so between like the number one ranked player and the number 19th ranked player. Um, you know, maybe in college it'll pan out that way, but it just doesn't feel, have that feel. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I, people just get a little wrapped up and five star, four star for good reason. Like I said, they, it does matter. Um, but you know, you're going to have odd shit. It, it's a fun business to be in, isn't it, Carter? <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted just talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'll tell you, Julian Love too. I think I think by two four seven rival standards, he lived up to his three star hype because he wasn't a day two pick. I believe day one picks are five stars, day two picks are four stars, and then a three star is like a multi year starter might get drafted in the NFL one day. And so Julian Love, I think fourth or fifth round, he was drafted, and so he was a three star despite being. Two-time All-American, Thorpe Award finalist. Yeah. So he's he's like the poster boy for this for you. This, so this was this was Jude and I's. Oh, I'm not shitting you. It was our, a knockdown. Our, our, our podcast our podcast recorded what Sunday or Monday night. <laughs> Jude and I for like 25 minutes were screaming at each other. 
I put an article about out about uh, just a very short list of guys that were three-star players coming in at Notre Dame that I felt developed into like five-star type talents or, or gave five-star type performances. And Julian Love was on that very short list. He was a three-star, but how in the hell are you going to tell me that a four-year start or three-and-a-half four-year starter that was a two-time All-American, a Thorpe Ward finalist, probably should have won it because he's not going to go to an apartment and rob somebody. <laughs> how, you know, that's a five-star performance. If, if, if Julian Love came in as a five-star, okay, no one would have said he was overranked leaving Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, nobody would have said he would have been like a he was. A, he was the school's number number one pass uh, uh, passes defended or, or pass breakups. Yeah. Pass breakups, yeah. No one's gonna say that he if he came in as a five star that he didn't live up to a five star ranking at Notre Dame. Yeah. That was my argument. Jude I mean, just kept was, pointing to the NFL draft, and I'm like, he, I that does not matter to me. He was <laughs> no Christian kind of Kirk a- or Dalen Mack or perhaps uh, Kyle Allen or Speedo Noel or maybe a Ricky Seals Jones or uh, Trey Williams or Thomas Johnson. I'm just picking some random players out of a hat that were five stars. Uh, no particular uh, alignment or affiliation with the university that didn't quite work out at five stars. Right, right, uh, Carter. <laughs> that hurt my feelings a lot. <laughs> Please take that back. <laughs> I'm still upset that Speedy Noyle didn't pan out. I thought he was going to be so good. He was very good as a freshman, and so then freshman. he liked the marijuana a lot. So how's your uh, – what were your feels about uh, Kyler Murray then? Oh, yeah. <sighs> how much How much of this podcast do we have left? So we might have to oh, take another oh. one. Let me let me just tell you, we did almost a three-hour podcast uh, last week. So wow. <laughs> trust wow. me when I say we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kyler Murray was kind of a disaster. His dad played at A&M too, and I think it was it was kind of a mutual disaster, though. The coaching staff horribly handled that situation, didn't set him up to succeed, Promised him playing time, didn't give him playing time, threw Kyle Allen under the bus when he was injured. Just so much chaos. How do you get two five-star quarterbacks and then they transfer within the same week of each other? I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys think the Notre Dame message boards are bad? That happened in the middle. I was covering AM in college, and I was what? in the middle of finals when that was going down. Didn't the recruiting didn't the recruiting director like threaten to fight somebody too, fight a recruit that same week? Isn't that how that all basically there Aaron Kearney decided to like I'm gonna fight you to a recruit? Tell me that's true. Tell me that's true. Uh, I never heard that. Are you thinking of an analyst? Because I no. No, I thought that there was a an A and M. There was a Texas A and M like recruiting or a position coach that threatened to fight like fist fight a recruit. No, I, I, I was a reporter out there. <laughs> yeah, there is a story with a reporter, but that's for another day. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you own up to that at some point. <laughs> Maybe in July when they still have no idea if there's a season or not. We're like, yeah. all right, we, I got to hear this story. <laughs> wild. <laughs> well, so, no, if something like that had happened, I would definitely know about it, and I would have probably had a hundred hilarious tweets about how hilarious that is so no <laughs> that did not happen <laughs> i wish though that'd be funny <laughs> uh shoot let's see uh 
I think Jude had a, a, a write-in question. Um, so let's see here. I, I think we kind of touched on it. He says, um, uh, okay, no, we, 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 we did talk about running back recruiting, but uh, something that, um, that I th- both Jude and I were, were kind of scratching our heads at. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. It was the way Notre Dame recruited Will Shipley and, uh, you know, the all eggs in one basket thing, which is it didn't seem like that was a big thing to him uh, that, that they were doing that. And so why would we put ourselves behind with a guy like Donovan, you know, um, uh, <laughs> Will Shipley, yeah. Donovan, sorry, Donovan Edwards. I, I was going to call him Donovan Jones for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess uh, Michigan still lives in my head, but uh, you know why, you know, it, it, that didn't make it much sense to us for that to, to go the way it did. As far, I mean, obviously if it works, you know, it's all, Hey, he's a genius, uh, but it didn't. So there's some questions and some answers that need, uh, need to be said. Uh, you know, what, what's your feeling about that? Is super confusing. They did do that for the most part with Chris Tyree. They even turned away some guys that wanted to commit there. Said, no, no, no. We like this Chris Tyree. Who? Cesare Malusi, uh, running back for Clemson. Uh, he he yeah. had his official visit at Notre Dame in the spring canceled because they knew he was going to commit on the spot. And he, I, I don't know. I'm a name guy. I, I love, I thought the name Cesare was badass, and he's from <laughs> Naples, Florida. So it just like, it all fit in with the the whole thing. I, I had a whole thing for the site ready to go for Alexander the Six, and I, I was really locked in on, <laughs> on him committing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but he was a guy that uh, they canceled that visit because he was going to commit. Um, and because they were, they were keyed in on Chris Tyree. And then, you know, yeah. Lucy committed to Clemson on his visit like a week later. Um, so that would have been one, I, you know, if Tyree hadn't committed, would have come right back and, you know, smacked him right in the face. Because, I mean, even when they were recruiting Tyree, there was that, uh, you know, he almost almost committed to Oklahoma. So there was the mad scramble, like, all right, well, who's the other backs? It's like, oh, shit, we're really behind on these other guys. And that's what yeah. it feels like now. What I don't get is, you know, the only the only explainable, the only possible thing that that it could be is, well, they thought it would be a nice gesture to Will if they said we're the only, you're the only running back you're we're recruiting, but I mean he didn't care that Clemson had a guy committed and that, you know, Clemson was right. looking at other guys, and and that's not even if that's the case, you shouldn't operate that way. See, in my opinion. When you have, when running back and cornerback, they are so desperately need to be filled right now. You take as many four and five stars as you can get. If taking three five star running backs means you take one less offensive lineman, you do that because you need as many awesome running backs as you can get. So it makes no sense. Carroll did at USC. Yeah. And also, you know, just the fact that. It's not like they're by going by ramping up and communicating with Will so much, they don't have time to do anything else. It's not like they're talking to Will Shipley, you know, every single day or on the hour every single day. They have plenty of time to talk to Will Shipley and Donovan Edwards a ton. 
equally, you know, as for as much as they talked to Will Shipley, they still had enough time to talk that much with Donovan Edwards. They didn't do it. And that's a problem and something that they should definitely do going forward because, you know, when, when it's a numbers game, you know, you, you offer enough guys early, you stay on them, stay on them, stay on them. You're bound to get a few, a couple of those guys. Look at what Mike Elston does and look what Jeff Quinn does. Um, they have these formulas of offering guys early and then, you know, it's a numbers game for them. Um, so I, I, I think they really missed an opportunity there. I think if they get Edwards, Hey, uh, all is forgiven. Uh, but if they don't, I don't really know where they go. I think they'll probably get a three-star running back. If that's what happens. Wait, what about a guy like, why wasn't LJ Johnson offered earlier? I mean, is there a, is there anything specific that you know of? Cause it just seems like that's the kind of guy that should be targeted early. Yeah. Why didn't he, you know, why doesn't he hold an offer? And it's not like, it's not, he's not from fucking Utah. He's from Texas. He's a, in a state that you want to get in on. You're recruiting, uh, you know, uh, Samar Wheaton, who you have no chance with down there in Texas. Johnson seems like a natural, uh, at least offer, you know what I mean? Like, like get on him a little bit. And it took him until the Will Shipley thing. To, I mean, was that part? I mean, obviously it feels like it's yep. part of the old all in on Shipley. Like, all right, we're not even going to send offers out, which is madness. Yeah. And I think to them, you know, it's why bother with this kid who's probably not going to leave the South may not even leave Texas. Why try 30% with this when we can allocate that 30% all to Will Shipley? I think that's the thinking is they thought it was a lost cause, but now, Oh my gosh, now they have to, because they don't get him. They're going to have to settle on a, or, or Edwards, they're going to have to get a three-star running back. But again, that, that's not good thinking. You you got to have guts with recruiting. You have to say, I, I'm not going to be competing with Indiana, Kansas, and Kansas State. I want to compete with Bama, Clemson, Georgia. And yes, that's going to be some painful losses like with Will Shipley. But it's also going to mean some awesome wins like Chris Tyree, you know, who really came close to committing to OU or Lorenzo styles, whose dad played for Ohio state and he lives near Columbus. You're going to have awesome wins. You're going to have awesome losses or, uh, or horrific losses <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. But, but just, I'm just saying like, you can't let the losses scare you from really going after these guys. Every academically eligible guy that is on the table needs to be offered. Um, and, they're academically eligible and they, and they fit into what you want. LJ Johnson, correct me if I'm wrong, went to the same high school as Brock Wright, right? Yes. Both of them were Cypher kids. Cypher, yes. Yeah. So, I, um, it would have been nice to have set up at least some sort of pipeline, but. I don't know, Corey Kinnear is the one that confuses the shit out of me. Now, mind yeah. you, Ro- Ro- Roger Bacon is not a Notre Dame. It's not, you know, it's not like Moeller or. Or you know, or even Colerain or, or Saint X, but it's still a Cincinnati kid. There's a lot of Cincinnati Notre Dame roots there, and you know this is a, a top. You know, he was rated 163 by 247. He's a number 10 running back, uh, sitting there next to you. This is this whole COVID 19 thing is a is turning into a you know local kids committing kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, and then here comes LSU. 
leaving the South, come up North to grab this running back. I just, I have a hard time accepting that. Now, if he's, if he's something they evaluated and they weren't as high, but he held an offer. Okay. I guess I get by with that, but you know, that, that has to, again, that has to go with your, your whole recruiting backup plan in a sense, right? It does. Corey too. I think he would have committed to Notre Dame had they made him a priority uh, a few months ago. I really believe it. I think he, Notre Dame was one of his dream schools and had they just shown the interest and, stop by the school more and had him visit more he would have committed if they wanted they could have had him and will shipley and i think that's what they should do with you know i i just don't have a strong belief of the current running back roster besides maybe kyron williams and chris tyree um jafar armstrong you know there's there's some belief there but a lot of question marks too but there's there's still just a lot of question marks uh, going forward and so why not get as many great players as you can get you don't you, you don't want to just take the numbers for the numbers for sure but if you can take a top 200 overall running back you do that because i mean it's gonna be pretty good you, you know clemson right. georgia those schools they they have good problems to have you know the fact that maybe a guy like DeAndre Swift can't see the field as a freshman. Like that's a really good thing. I think he actually did, but not, not a whole ton. Um, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have because, um, you know, they would, what Notre Dame should hope is that a guy like Chris Tyree doesn't see the field as a freshman because their running back group is so stockpiled yeah. with talent, but that's just not the case right now. Well, in, in a sense, but the thing is that it is a crowded running back room right now. I'm like, when you look numbers at 2021, wise. like, yeah, numbers wise, if you look at 2021, you still have the possibility of a fifth year Jafar Armstrong, Jameer Smith, Sebo Flemister, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. And oh, by the way, Notre Dame's supposed to be in the lead for, uh, for Spates, the running back transfer from Stanford, uh, who could, who could have a, uh, who could be granted a six year, um, of eligibility for 2021. It seems really I mean, hey, let me ask. So, what do you think about the Spates thing? Uh, first of all, Carter, I mean, does this make sense for Notre Dame to take Spates? It makes zero sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. I don't know how it makes them better. Um, I was all on board with the Nick McLeod move. I think it's a great. Oh move. yeah, for sure. I yeah. even think taking a chance on Isaiah Pryor, Ben Skoranek, all on board with that too. I think. Even if those guys don't play a whole ton, they're going to be pretty good leaders. Um, they're going to be they're going to be pretty pretty good for the team to have um, depth wise at the very least too. Um, Trevor Spates, I mean, he very well could be the fourth best running back on the roster, um, and might not get any touches. So why do you add a guy like that if you know you're already two two scholarships, not including Colin Grunhard? and uh and make asaf you're already two scholarships over the limit why do you need another one it just it doesn't really make sense to me yeah i mean i don't i mean unless like look if there's i guess to your point before though if you if you get as much talent as you possibly can on this roster so if if three guy if you know three guys are definitely 
going to be leaving, you know, transferring elsewhere, uh, you know, getting another guy for one year, if it is just one year for Spates, doesn't do you any harm, right? Like it, it, it gets you to your 85. It's not going to, it shouldn't affect you in the next cycle. But if he is a guy that's going to be held on for another year, that affects your 2021 cycle, which is going to be as low as, which is a low number anyways. And it doesn't, you know, which, and it still doesn't, you no help for 2022. <laughs> like, like the whole, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I Spates makes a lot more sense if he really is just uh, a 2020 guy and they have room, then, then fine. Yeah. You, you know, the more talent you can get on a team, the better. That, that's absolutely correct. But it, but if it's not, it's just, it's weird, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'll say, it's just weird. I'll say this. I think Notre Dame fans would rather have Cody Simon than Trevor Spades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, linebacker room. Yeah. Yeah. The, the numbers crunch has been a funny thing to watch over the years. And I, and I'm a big, I mean, that's, one thing that I really keep a, a hard eye on. And I, I used to bring up names like, okay, these, you know, this guy or this guy could, could leave because of this, this reason, this reason. Uh, and then parents started emailing me. Uh, and so I stopped doing that. Uh, because, yeah. uh, but I mean, there are, and so, you know, so I try not to talk about names, but it's, it's hard not to circle that, you know, look at the roster and circle, you know, a few names of, okay, this guy could for sure, or probably will, um, and Jude and I talked about it and Brendan on the last podcast is Notre Dame is kind of unique where a lot of their guys are, are able to graduate with two years on the table, uh, which yep. gives them an ex almost an extra incentive even to, uh, to transfer elsewhere. Uh, do you see that kind of, I mean, when do you, I guess what I'm boiling is when do you see this kind of unfolding? Cause there's going to have to be some guys leaving. And I think a lot of us think that it happens after the spring, uh, where they kind of know where they're out of the depth chart. They're going to graduate and then they can head elsewhere and, and play their year or two years. But obviously the timeline's off. Do you see that happening more towards August or do you see that happening, you know, here fairly soon now that graduation's upon us? You mean just the numbers? Uh, yeah, just, I mean, change. like I said, look, we got look, yeah. two guys have to get shed as it is right now. Uh, if they get space, there's going to have to be a third. Uh, yeah. These are the type of moves that generally I think we hear sometime around, you know, end of May and in June. Uh, but is that going to be the case this time around or is it? Yeah. I, I think these next few weeks will be worth watching. Once there's graduation, um, tomorrow, Friday, May 15th is when they make the decision about the summer two classes. Uh, a lot of schools are making decisions about, uh, their fall semesters. I'm not sure how much that is going to have to do with some of these guys' decisions, but I would imagine that with graduation just happening, a lot of these guys are going to be looking elsewhere. Uh, I remember, though, you know, it, it, it's probably going to boil down to the situation. Michael Young, it took him a long time to figure out that he wanted to transfer to Cincinnati. He really liked LSU, but he couldn't ever make it down there. Uh, and when you can't visit these places, you know, if someone, if a Notre Dame guy decided he was going to transfer to Syracuse, you know, how would he know that Syracuse was, had a great campus? He couldn't visit it right now. So, right. but you got to make that decision. So I, I, you know, it's hard to kind of predict that. 
I would think with graduation, if a guy has been thinking about transferring, it probably didn't happen overnight. So they've probably been thinking about it and looking at all of those options in recent weeks. And so that's why I think it'll come sooner than later. But man, to predict that, I mean, it's, it's like me predicting the weather. I, I got no specialty with that. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's who knows. All right. Well, we're going to start to wrap this up, but uh, before we do, I do, Brendan, we do have a, uh, we got a little bit of a review here. I found one. You found one. Oh, I did. I did. Uh, Carter, I, you, you got a review in on the OFT podcast, right? You, you manned up like the rest of the South Bend Tribune and, and gave us a shout, right? I don't think Carter has. Uh, I don't think Carter knows the rule. I his, don't think he knows his the name. Rule. His name is mentioned. Uh, uh, in a few of the reviews. So. I, I know that Tyler and Eric both have, <laughs> uh, um, but I don't think that he knows the rule of the, uh, of the Apple podcast review. I'm yeah. Really the, scared. the rule here is if you leave a review, uh, on Apple podcast, I will read it verbatim. Uh, unfortunately, some people have abused this, uh, this privilege and, uh, wow. has forced me to say uh, ridiculous things about food that, uh, that don't make any sense. You are uh, a big fan of Tombstone, is my understanding. <laughs> I am not a big fan of Tombstone. Uh, home run in all the way, baby. Uh, but uh, whatever you write, I, I'll read, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, we have been getting a lot of five-star reviews, and this one is from JetsFan41. Uh, very entertaining. Been listening for about a year, and this crew has never stopped pumping out quality content. If you want to be both informed on Irish news and entertained, this is the podcast for you. My only criticism is that BVG is most definitely not a hero. Elijah Shoemate is the hero of our 37 nothing for the final pick six. Go Irish, beat Corona. It hurts my heart. That, that was a jab at our, at our uh, BVG was a hero. Little take there. It took I, me a while to process it was Brian Van Gorder. I, my brain does not work during this virus stuff. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have a, glad I'm, I I'm homeschooling three kids. <laughs> I'm glad I get the joke 15 seconds later. <laughs> That's actually not a bad time <laughs> to get a joke. <laughs> so that's it. So if you guys, if you get us out to us, man, I don't want to read any more bullshit food takes you, or beer takes. You know, my feels uh, like Carter. Did, someone actually made me say something about nice about tombstone. Like they don't know though. You know, right. Home run in is the greatest frozen pizza known to man it's the best frozen pizza you can buy so i tried it because you didn't stop yammering about it and you know it's good but it's i mean i'd rather eat pizza at like a really good pizza place you know like it's not not the most special thing i've ever had i i mean i it's good but you know what i'm saying like it's just if you're back up in south bend this summer and say you get a little, like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna head over to Lake Michigan uh, for the day, it's friends or whatnot. Say you head out over to Michigan City. Most people don't, but it's it's a spot. The pizza that you buy on the beach, you just say, hey, I want a I want a sausage pizza. All it is is home run in. It's that good. People are just taking frozen pizzas and selling them like they're at their own pizzeria. It's that fantastic of a pizza. Interesting. It's what it's the Cubs. It's the only thing they're gonna serve. At uh, Wrigley Field, right? It's the official pizza now of the Cubs. 
Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, maybe I should just uh, create my own pyramid scheme and just buy them from Walmart in mass, and then just sell them in the press box. See, now we're talking. Now, now we're see, now, see, we're now, now you're taking to... my money. I I tweeted out uh, I tweeted out uh, yesterday. Uh, I was starting to get a little worried thinking about the whole Corona thing and how we're going to get fed up there. Like, <laughs> like, I like, mean, like the scene, little... like, are, like, are we going to be, is there going to be every be brown bag in that somebody? How are they going to feed us? If we can't, if you don't have Tom Noy running up to the front of the line, uh, <laughs> complaining about, uh, a slow serve, you know? <laughs> yeah. He didn't like the, uh, beans and rice they gave us that one week. Oh, uh, there was, there's been there was been a couple of really yeah New Mexico that was awful was that was that it the beans and rice it was so bad oh god it was the, that was terrible like is bring bring back the hot dogs bring, yeah get that chili, bring the chili and hot dogs back is that you you know what sucked to you last year is I had no idea Louisville was serving prime rib yeah like, I didn't I didn't even see them cutting that over the other side I ate that dry ass chicken they had over there. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say um, I, I can't ever complain about free food. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I have no standards at all. I told, dude, I, I went to, I got pizza at Seven Eleven, and then I pull up the uh, the old Twitter, and I, I find recently was it a stabbing or someone robbed that Seven Eleven just the other day. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that's where I went to get pizza. Oh, no, well, that, no, it was well, that, they assaulted an employee because the <laughs> employee told him he couldn't be served without a face mask. <laughs> so, right, right, you were about my, to go. That Bob seems like a legit place. That seems legit. Yeah, Mr. Walker for you, man. Beautiful. <laughs> Is that the Bob Davies 7 Eleven? Hey, Mr. Walker, right? It's a very violent place. <laughs> That might be the Bob Davies 7-Eleven. That might be the Bob Davies 7-Eleven. I hope so. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the food uh, tradition there is, is second to none. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Carter. I'll, I'll freaking eat anything except for that beans and rice. That was awful. That well, was pure trash. Gas stations in Texas have decent food. Like Bucky's, you know, is incredible. That's but not a gas talk- station. Well, then what is it? I have no idea. That is like the Meyer of gas station. That is like the Meyer version <laughs> of a gas station. I've been to a Bucky's. That is not a gas station. That is a emporium of goods. It's like a museum. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you go. Oh yeah, I've been I've been to a, a grocery store. Yeah, right? I didn't know I've that. To- I didn't know that. Carter talks up that Bucky's, but I, I in my mind I'm picturing like an old like. Spirit 76 gas station, like, like shack with no insulation, but like someone's in back cooking up some good ass shit. Like, but this isn't the case, right? If sheets is like a Kroger's, right. Or Wawa's is like a Kroger's Bucky's is like a Meyer where they, you can go there and you can buy a 75 inch TV if you want. It is just, it's buck wild. Regular gas station food got, like, restaurants in there too. It's nuts. yeah, it's they nuts. got guys like making barbecue, and you're like, what? I thought this is a gas station. You're you're hey. chopping up a beef sandwich. Yeah, I've, I've had a fantastic brisket chop sandwich at uh, at a Bucky's. It's it's buck I got, wild hey, there. Carter, I got a spot for you. Now, right. if you ever get back on the road again, and if you have to get near Fort Wayne, 
there's a there's a small town uh, just northeast of uh, Fort Wayne called Grable. It's like the it, it's there's 15 t- times more Amish people there than Shipshawana. Okay, <laughs> uh, like like, right. like it is the it is the Amish capital of the world, uh, and they have all these shops. It's a it's a it's a tourist trap type place. However, for years there sat this little pop up trailer that sold tacos. Uh, for years. But they 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 uh, got rid of the trailer and are building up a a mortar mortar and brick place. Uh, but for a while, I mean, it was literally just a pop up trailer. Are we uh, talking Amish tacos right now? No, no, we're not talking Amish tacos. Mennonite tacos. In, in a sense, they are Amish tacos. Uh, although, uh, well, I mean, they didn't speak English either. Uh, <laughs> they were selling tacos. So I know you're an aficionado of, of of tacos and weird places to get them. Uh, I'm telling you, in Grable, just just right there on the corner by the, these little shopping places, if you ever get near there, you got to stop in because they are actually pretty damn good. Man, I gotta try it. You know, my my philosophy with tacos, Mexican food, barbecue. I like being in pain when I eat food, like spicy, you know. Yeah. So if they got some like habanero sauce or something, I don't I, care if they're serving me like horse meat. It's gonna be great because I love. <laughs> well, that's why I don't know how you people spicy. I don't know how you people do it. I cannot like 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 wings. Number one, I can't stand wing joints to begin with, and I'm not a big fan of wings because just give me a fucking chicken. Just give me a chicken. But like the fact that my lips are going to fucking peel off, oh none God, of that is enticing to me. And never, I just, I never got it. I, I'm not putting people down that enjoy melting their faces off while eating, but I just, I guess I never, I never get on that ship. If my ears aren't hurting, I'm not enjoying myself if I'm eating something spicy. Like I have to <laughs> feel it in my ears. Like yep. give me that, that Trini scorpion all day long. Not like, going to lie. Like, I ate Buffalo Wild Wings tonight, so. Oh, well, I, I had it to. Uh, did you, they had did a, you they, get boneless or traditional? Well, they had the boneless deal today, so I went. Oh, back. you fucking ate Chicken McNuggets. Who it's cares if they're Chicken McNuggets? McNuggets? Chicken McNuggets are delicious, too. Who cares? I'm tired. What do you get? What do you get? Do you get the mango habanero? Because that's the best flavor they got. I like that. I like hot the most. Hot? Yeah, you hot. You pop up. Boneless wings. This, this, this is one of the greatest food crimes in America is the stature of the boneless wing. It's a fucking chicken McNugget. Chicken McNuggets are great. I don't care. You, you can call it a chicken stick. I'll still eat it because it's amazing. It's <sighs> fantastic. Um, and it's easier to eat. You know, you can eat it with a fork um, or you can just pick it up with two fingers and it just won't create a big mess. Feet. Yeah. Do you might do you might as well just be the basic white girl and go get a chicken strip basket then? I'll I'll take it. Now I do it depends on the restaurant though. Buffalo Wild Wings, you get the boneless. Wing stop, you get the bone in. Yeah. Um they don't have a wing stop up there, but man, I'm telling you, me and Rick Ross are the bi- two biggest wing stop fans in the world. So if you ever come down here, we're we're gonna be going because <laughs> it, oof. It's great. So what do they got there? They got the they got the atomic boat your face off. Yeah, I like their original hot wings, and they also have these fries 
that I can't even explain it. They taste like candy almost. They're like so salted that what? it's like you're eating Sour Patch Kids, but it's really good. It's yeah, but they're very good. I will say that it sounds like a weird description, but their fries are on point and their bone in original hot wings. Oof. Very, very good. So Carter, oh, I'm so, I mean, Carter, I'm not going to let you get out of here um, before you uh, respond to the fact that I put out a request to one Eric Hansen as far as who, who to Photoshop the South Bend Tribune staff. And he was emphatic in trying to cast you as a <laughs> female judge on the cast of The Voice. What are your thoughts on that? And what sort of rebuttal do you have for this? Because I put you in the Kelly Clarkson seat. I made you Kelly Clarkson. I'll admit it. I made you Kelly Clarkson. And I believe Tyler has it framed on his office wall. So... What what is the rebubble here? What am I doing with what 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 would you like to see happen to Eric Hansen? Oh man! Oh man! He's the senior statesman, and I can underhand I can understand if there's I'm some, lose it. I can understand if there is um, some apprehension. No, nope. no, no, no! I want you to be as gruesome and horrible to that man <laughs> as you possibly can. I want you to come up with the most embarrassing, like even if it gets me fired, it will be worth it because he deserves it. You get fired on a furlough week though. Uh, yeah. Well, he deserves it because I don't get, he only watches like three shows, the voice being one of them. Yes. And you know, so that's his only frame of reference when it comes to shows like he he wouldn't know who walter white or john snow is so he Jimmy did the McGill. first yep. the, when texas comes into his mind he's just like oh kelly clarkson so it's not because i remind him <laughs> of this big girl or something or like i'm real girly it's because you're like, texas he knows yeah exactly you and you and chuck norris and he wasn't about to put you as chuck norris walker <laughs> texas ranger yeah he's not gonna feed my ego he's he's tried that before it doesn't work <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna get in trouble for this this is not good oh i, I we got your back we got your back <laughs> i'm excited or, i want to see or we're gonna set it on fire <laughs> we got to come up with something though to photoshop them with because man i'm telling you like i don't know like old lady or like the old lady from the goonies uh that's not a bad one a newborn baby, you know, I don't know. Oh, I could definitely do that. Can you make him Dennis Rodman in a dress, in a wedding dress? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you... <laughs> I mean, he's he's watching uh, he's watching the the uh, Last Dance documentary. Carter, how are you? How are you enjoying that? By the way. Oh man, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Now you're, this... you're you're a younger generation than than I am. I yeah. do you are. Do you consider Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time? At this current moment, I do. But I do believe he is catchable and that LeBron could catch him. I think there's too many people out there who just think even if LeBron won 10 championships, he wouldn't catch him. And I think that's stupid. I think, you know, LeBron's more more talented, but MJ is more accomplished and therefore better. What's your number, then? 
Um, it depends. Had he beaten the KD Warriors, he would have been the GOAT. Um, so it depends who he beats. I think if he gets two more and his career, if he keeps playing like he is for three to five more years, I think he'll be the GOAT because he'll just be way too accomplished. He'll be the all-time leading scorer. Um, but has he ever won three in a row? Twice. That's, uh, I mean, that's an amazing feat. I'd like to see him take a year off to go play tight end for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, or the Cowboys, if you want. I think the I think the Cleveland Browns would like to see LeBron James play tight. No, end. the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a tight end. They have Jason Witten, star uh, Monday no, Night Football analyst. He's on the Raiders now. <laughs> one last question, and it is about the last dance. You know, okay. before the, before even episode one came out. Jordan had said, you know, he, he kind of, he thinks, you know, maybe a lot of people consider him a real asshole after they see this whole thing. And I don't, I I could see why people would think that maybe, but I actually am coming away with a lot more, if it was possible, a lot more respect for Jordan and what he was and, and how he handled his business. I mean, but I could see people thinking that, Do, do you think of Jordan as more of an asshole now, or is he just that ridiculously competitive and driven it's endearing i mean i love i love it but it's also you only get away with that stuff if you're really freaking good and awesome right you know right like had he been doing that as a rookie you know they they'd be like yo you, you gotta chill out because you can't do it that way uh i think you can't I think, go kenny trill um right <laughs> no no but you if cannot. you're johnny Manziel and you're flashing the money symbol and you're beating bama oh. A Bama team that that drives Notre Dame into the turf. If you're throwing up the money symbol, you can get away with it. See, now you're speaking my terms, and I love it. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I love this documentary, though. I mean, it's just so great. Uh, I was even talking with Blake Fisher about it. He said he's like written down all these quotes, and it's like inspired him during workouts and stuff. And I think it's really great for like the younger generation who didn't get to see him, uh, the people who want to relive it, who are older. The thing I don't like is freaking every sentence of the documentary is being used as LeBron versus MJ propaganda. Like both sides are coming out. Yeah, like, I don't. Ooh, yeah. okay. Well, therefore, you know, and I'm just like, can y'all shut up? Like, I'm trying to watch Dennis Rodman act crazy. Um, let me do it. Uh, but you know, I understand, but it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. I think it's fantastic. And what a better time for it to come out. It's freaking right. awesome. It's cheap, man. Yeah. I, think, I, the, I just uh, think iPad. the fact that, you know, just, the, just to see, just to see someone on that level, which is, there's almost nobody on that level and to see Every just all the little bits. I mean, it'd be the, and that was my my uh, my target time for being a huge NBA fan was late '80s and through the '90s. Like that's when I yeah. felt the league was king and, and just the greatness personified. But a lot of that stuff from Jordan, like seeing just reliving that again of like how fucking hard he worked at it every single day and how much every moment meant to him. That's something I think that need that. Everyone in this in this generation coming up, we talk about recruiting in this podcast. All those guys need to see that. Like, this, like life is not handed to you. You got to work your ass off to be this good. 
Uh, and I mean, you really got to go out there and, and perform. I just, I think the documentary, if you want to say, people want to say Jordan's an asshole, that's fine, but he's also showing what a work ethic does for you, uh, which is amazing. The end of the seventh episode was amazing where he was talking about that very thing. And he even got teared up about it. He's saying like, you know, I, I only asked people to do things that I also did. You know, that was another thing about leadership you take away is like all these things he pushed his teammates to do. He he was doing these th- very things. He wasn't asking Scottie Pippen to be the greatest player of all time and be exactly as talented as him. He was asking him to be the best version that he could possibly be. And and that's the big thing to take away is like even though the style might be shaky uh what he was asking is not unrealistic and is really translates well to real life even beyond sports um, right hard work and determination and you know having guts uh being tough you know all these things translate in the business world doctors all that so that's what's so great about this is like it's a sports documentary but it can be used in so many ways it's awesome yeah it's the one event i thought this you know i know a lot of people have been they shoot right to twitter right like this is like a live sporting event for most people because it's like the only sports we got right we had the nfl draft and we had this but i took a different approach this time around uh where i i it was like the tim o'malley approach uh, basically <laughs> where I, I i have insulated myself from everything from every opinion out there and uh, in fact i even took a couple week break i I lined up four episodes in a row uh, one afternoon. I had nothing to do, and and it's been man, it's been great. It's it's, ex- yeah. it's exactly what it, what it, what I've needed. Uh, I didn't need more Twitter co- you know comments or, or the arguments between him and LeBron. And um, even though it's it's impossible to get away from all that, I just wanted to see this absolutely transcendent player. Uh, at, you know, in this document. And I just think the, what the director's done, uh, I think it's just very well done. I, I think there's some criticism out there about it, but I just think it's really well done. The flat, it all, it all flows very well. And it tells a very good story about uh, one of the elite players of any sport at any time uh, and, and how they became that way. It's just, it's amazing. I, my favorite thing about the whole thing, and it's pretty innovative and a, just an awesome idea I think if 30 for 30s don't do this going forward, sports documentaries don't do this, they're dumb because the whole iPad idea has been brilliant. You know, showing right. MJ watch. Isaiah His reactions Thomas. have been amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, been, it's been the best part of the whole documentary, for real. When you have a guy <laughs> like that, um, and MJ's got an awesome personality, but imagine if it was like Magic Johnson or someone even – with a more lively personality, like that would be awesome. Um, just to see their reactions. Um, you know, I, I love that stuff. So I'm hoping every 30 for 30 from here on out takes that and runs with it. Maybe they should just do like a half hour of Isaiah Thomas talking about Michael Jordan and just, just the whole half hour just having Jordan watch that interview. Oh man, that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty rich. I'd pay to see All right, that. we're going to, we're going to wrap this all up. So 
Thanks so much, Carter, for coming on. Uh, I, I hope all is well. I, I, I am glad that you're down in Texas. Not that you're far away from us, but uh, th- that's got to be a, a nicer thing just to be around uh, around family and be able to to spend some time that you normally wouldn't have uh, like that, uh, you know, otherwise. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on, man. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, no times are tough, but, man, it's great to come talk about football, recruiting, all that good stuff. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and it was definitely fun. All right. Well, Brennan, I think I'll say it for both of us. We will see you guys very soon, or you will hear us very soon. And uh, go Irish. <laughs>